ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. The Drive with Paul Swan. Good afternoon. It is the 8th of May, 2018. Bill Cornwell in for Paul Swan on this Tuesday. A lot on the plate this afternoon here on the, the drive. And uh, first off, we're going to, uh, as we go on through the show this afternoon, we're going to check in on Marshall Baseball, the herd baseball team in action as we speak down in Charleston against an old Southern Conference rival. Of course, that is the Buccaneers of East Tennessee State University. Heard coming off of a split of a two-game series with Old Dominion over the weekend. Of course, it was supposed to have been a three-game series, but the rain uh, put a kibosh to that. They only got the two games in on Friday, and uh, Marshall split that doubleheader with the uh, Old Dominion Monarchs. So Marshall playing tonight down at Appalachian Power Park in Charleston. Now, this was originally a 7.30 game, and it was to be in on national TV on the BN Network. And for some reason, those plans fell through. Uh, Marshall made a week ago and out said, well, we're going to be on national TV against East Tennessee State from Charleston. Well, that's not the case. And so the herd uh, moved the game from 7.30 to 5 and are playing right now against the uh, Buccaneers. And, of course, Marshall's trying, trying to find some way to get into the Conference USA tournament. Only the top eight teams make the tournament and uh, right now, the odds are against the herd after kind of a, a rough year for Coach uh, Coach Jeff Wagner in the, the Thundering Herd. But we'll uh, kind of catch up with them and see what the scores are like down there a little later. Also, a little later in the program, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Marshall softball. Of course, we had Coach Jen Steele of Marshall softball team on yesterday afternoon. They are getting ready to play in the uh, Conference USA tournament tomorrow. Uh, they're playing at noon against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And um, Marshall's the fifth seed, and uh, the Hilltoppers are the eighth seed. And what is really um, critical about this game, this is not a double elimination format on Wednesday. You lose tomorrow, you are out of the tournament. You are done for the year. So Marshall needs to win, and if they would win, they would be playing about this time tomorrow against the Louisiana Tech uh, Lady Texters. Uh, that would be uh, another single elimination matchup. If they do survive, if they can get two wins tomorrow, they would move on to the double elimination portion of the tournament. And uh, we kind of made the point yesterday that the way that Conference USA has set up this softball tournament is to protect the number one and the number two seeds. But uh, we'll get into that later. Um, in particular, there were some honors uh, handed out today for uh, Conference USA softball, and uh, Marshall players uh, were among those getting all-conference and other honors. And one Marshall individual got a big-time honor as freshman of the year, but we'll get that a little bit later on. A few minutes from now, we'll uh, catch up with Matt Geica. Pittsburgh um, Hockey News. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the, the uh, update on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, last night, if you're a Penguins fan, it was not a happy night. The Penguins season comes to an end in overtime. Washington knocked them out. And, of course, Washington has had a tough, tough 
history over the years coming into last night in elimination games, potential elimination games, Washington and Pittsburgh. Washington was 1-9. Well, now they're 2-9 and nine as they end the season for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. And they go on and they will be facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But we'll talk with Matt a little bit later about all what's going on with Stanley Cup. Let's talk a little bit about sports news. First off, uh, one baseball game this afternoon. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals and the Minnesota Twins played, and it was the Twins getting the best of the Cardinals by a score of 7-1. to one. Well, Tonight, a little later on here on the ESPN 94.1 AM 930, we will have all the action as the Pittsburgh Pirates coming off an off day. We'll be taking on the White Sox in Chicago. First pitch time is 8-10. And uh, the Buccos certainly have been playing well, coming off a big win over the Brewers on Sunday. Elsewhere, the uh, Reds and the Mets play tonight at Great American Ballpark at 7-10. Uh, it be Jason Vargas for the Mets. Luis Castillo on the mound for Cincinnati. Of course, last night, former Red Jay Bruce had a home run against Cincinnati, and I will guarantee you there were calls of Bruce going up from the stands there at Great American Ballpark last night. Also tonight, Cleveland Indians will be in Milwaukee to take on the Brewers 740, and you like the chances of the Indians tonight because the stopper himself, Corey Kluber, will be on the mound this evening against Wade Miley for the Milwaukee Brewers. Of course, last night was a good night for the uh, Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers got the brooms out in Cleveland last night, and they finished the sweep of the Toronto Raptors. And that one surprised me, kind of shocked me. Really expected Toronto to be a little more competitive in that series, but they were not. And they lose last night to the Cavaliers by a score of 128-93. to So the Cavaliers are waiting for either Philadelphia or Boston to decide who's going to win that other series in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And the Cavaliers will be going for yet another Eastern Conference title in the NBA playoffs. 128-93 was the win last night. A little bit of controversy last night with the Cavaliers. Uh, one of the guys off the bench, Rodney Hood, apologizing today to General Manager Kobe Altman for declining to enter that win last night. Uh, Hood said uh, he feels awful planning to apologize to his teammates and coaching staff in person as soon as they get back together after a couple of days off following the sweep of the Raptors. Apparently, um, Rodney Hood has not been happy about his lack of playing time. Hood was um, acquired from the Utah Jazz in February when the Cavaliers revamped their roster with a series of trades, but uh, Hood has not been a guy who's been uh, a key part of their plans, we might say. So uh, he just decided he just was not going to go into the game last night when Coach uh, Tyron Liu asked him to go in. And that is certainly not something that you, you want to see uh, a guy kind of buck up and uh, say, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, and it certainly sends a bad, bad message to the rest of the team. Hey, the gift that keeps on giving, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. 
hospitalized yesterday for a reaction to a prescription. On Instagram, he posted, thank you for your concern and kind messages. Unfortunately, I had a reaction to an increased dosage in lithium, which I take for my bipolar disorder. It was a scary moment, and I am especially grateful for the staff at the hospital and all that they've done in the last 24 hours. Uh, reports say that he is fine. He was hospitalized in Humble, Texas last night. Mansell, of course, won the Heisman Trophy at Texas A&M in 2012. He's trying to make a comeback in pro football. He played in the Developmental Spring League last month. He has a standing offer for the Tiger Cats of the CFL, and CFL training camp will beginning will be beginning in a couple of weeks. So uh, will Johnny Manziel be in Hamilton, and will he be a Hamilton Tiger Cat this year? Could be a good opportunity for him if he can keep his nose clean. That is a big if for Johnny Manziel. Hey, some big news out of NASCAR. Is there going to be a change in the ownership of NASCAR? Some hot rumors to that extent. NASCAR president Brent DeWar telling employees that the France family, the uh, folks who started NASCAR, remains dedicated to the long-term growth of the sport. The memo was sent to employees today one day after a media report said the France family was exploring the sale of its stake in NASCAR. The Associated Press received a copy of the memo from a person who shared it on condition of anonymity due to the sensitive nature of the topic. DeWar wrote in the memo that NASCAR does not comment on industry rumors but did not specifically address a possible deal by the France family, which holds the majority of NASCAR stock. NASCAR struggled with recent ratings and attendance declines, and several big-name sponsors have scaled back or pulled out, and NASCAR had no comment on the memo when they were contacted by ESPN yesterday. And um, that is interesting because when you think of NASCAR, the France family is synonymous with NASCAR. Of course, Big Bill France, the the patriarch of that that family, started NASCAR back in the the 40s, back when they were uh, racing on the beach in Daytona Beach. And then his son, uh, Bill France Jr., he kind of... uh, took over. He kind of guided it through a a great time of growth before his passing. And then his son, Brian France, now controls NASCAR, kind of runs things. And unfortunately for Brian France, it's been uh, him who has had to deal with some of the uh, downturn with the racing industry, with NASCAR in particular, with uh, empty seats in the stands and some of the TV ratings have not been great, although they still have great uh, media deals and they still make money on them, but they've had problems with sponsorship. A lot of issues as uh, maybe the uh, high point of NASCAR was five or six years ago, and uh, it's kind of gone down since. And uh, if um, the France family decided to sell its part of NASCAR, who would take it? Would it be somebody in the corporate world? Of course, that's what happened uh, a couple of years ago. In uh, with Formula One racing, as Liberty Media, American company, actually bought the controlling stake in Formula One, would somebody like Liberty Media take over NASCAR? That would be an interesting, interesting scenario. 
Those are some of the uh, things going on in the sports world right now. Time for our first break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk the Stanley Cup playoffs with Matt Geica. You're listening to The Ride on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It is 521 here on The Drive on the 8th day of May 2018. Time to talk a little hockey. And with us uh, from up in the Steel City area is Matt Geica. We talked last week. Good to have you back with us, Matt. Yeah, Absolutely. The hockey season has come to uh, an unseasonal Boy, early end. It came to a, cr- a crashing halt last night in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we, I, I kind of talked about it a few moments ago. Uh, you look at all those years and all those clinching games between Pittsburgh and Washington. And Washington had a woeful 1-9 and nine record in clinching games against the, the, the Penguins. And then last night, the magic happened for them. Well, it's a helpful reminder to all of us in media or just the fans out there that all this stuff that we talk about historically, maybe 90% of it doesn't mean a lick. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's filler. Um, it, it's something to talk about in terms of the historical context, which is important because we're doing nothing if we're not telling stories in this business. And uh, stories is, uh, or telling stories is how humans relate to each other. But overall... Um, you, you take each game as it comes, you take each series as it comes. And in this one, the Penguins squandered their chances. They had a lead in game three at home. They had a lead in game five and played spectacularly well and lost both of, the, both of those games. So you have two of those types of games in one best-seven playoff series, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball, even if you're facing a team in Washington that didn't have its top center in Nick Backstrom last night. But the Caps just shut it down. They played a very conservative game. And uh, they hung on, got through regulation, and they won in overtime. So they executed the game plan. Yeah, exactly. You know, just the impression I got last night, this was a little bit of a grittier Washington team than we've seen in the past in all those uh, showdowns with the Penguins. And, uh, you know, usually it was the, the Penguins that were not only the skilled team but the tougher team. But last night, you talked about the defensive strength that uh, Washington showed. Uh, good goaltending when they needed it from Brandon, Braden Holtby. And, uh, you know, this seemed like the grittiness came out for Washington. And, and I think you, you attribute that a lot to uh, Barry Trotz, their coach. Uh, that, that's always been the kind of uh, hockey that he has uh, uh, coached, a very uh, defensive-oriented style. And uh, it really can't, I think it's kind of taken with them finally. It has, but you have to have the buy-in from the players. Yeah. And it may sound weird for me to say, but I think not having Backstrom actually helped sell the game plan to the players if they needed any extra sales job or uh, or anything like that, any extra convincing that that was the way to play last night. If they have Backstrom, maybe they're a little bit more wide open. Maybe the Penguins get a couple of uh, breaks on odd man rushes, and, and we're talking about a Game 7 coming up tomorrow in Washington. So not to say that the Caps have a better chance of Advancing further in the playoffs without Backstrom, he's uh, maybe their second-best player ever behind Alex Ovechkin, at least in this modern era. He's right there, and he's always been a point-per-game player throughout his career. But in the situation that they were in last night, perhaps that just got their attention a little bit more, and it worked out for him. Well, as far as the situation for the Penguins, Matt, uh, 
July 1st and free agent time in the NHL will be here before you know it. And over the next couple of months, a little less than two months, got to be some big-time uh, decisions going to be made in, in the front office there for Pittsburgh, uh, you know, uh, as far as uh, folks that um, are up on, on contracts. Do they make a, a little bit of a splash in free agency? Uh, big decisions. Yeah, there are. It won't be as much of an upheaval as last season was, where they lost five or six veterans of their, their team. Mm-hmm. Most of the, well, almost all the important players are locked up. They got Patrick Hornquist signed, which was the big thing that I thought was going to dominate this offseason, but they took care of that right after the trade deadline back in late February. So they have him signed for the next five seasons. The one thing that's interesting to me is Riley Sheehan, who I thought really gave the, the Penguins reason to commit to long-term. He's a restricted free agent, so the Penguins will have the right of first refusal there. And with the way that Mike Sullivan likes to roll four lines and lead on his depth, it strikes me as important that they find a way to get Shan to yep. stay under the umbrella here. Um, I also believe Brian Russ is a restricted free agent, too, and uh, he's been an, uh, an integral piece to their speed and pressure game, even though he had a lackluster postseason this year, and he was one of the more despondent Penguins in the dressing room, in fact last night just because I feel like he probably felt the same way I feel about his postseason, that he wasn't quite there. But yep. overall, he's been valuable. So Shane and Russ, two players that the Penguins uh, should be focusing in on and will be focusing in on to figure out um, how they can bring them back in and stay under the cap because they remain a cap team and a tough spending team. Other game last night was in Winnipeg, and uh, they were ready to have a party last night in Manitoba. Well, they had to cancel the party because Nashville facing elimination, uh, shockingly so, down 3-2 to two in the series. They rose up, and they shut out the Jets by a 4 nothing score and a performance by uh, the, the Nashville Predators, and you kind of wonder, have they finally come back? Well, Nashville, I shouldn't have expected them to go quietly, and they didn't, and uh, they take an impressive win up there in Winnipeg last night. It's a team that's capable of doing something like that, and uh, it's a team that has a goaltender that can get hot, if not be the most consistent in the world, in Pekka Rene. Uh, I'm still going to stick to my Winnipeg in seven prediction because, hey, why not? We've gotten this far, so I'm going to ride or die with it. And I still think Winnipeg is going to win the Western Conference, in fact. Um, no offense to Vegas, but whoever wins this series will win the Western Conference and um, will give a serious run to the Stanley Cup. This might be the best series we see in terms of strength on strength, though, in the entire postseason just because of where these teams finish in the standings and how they're so well-rounded. So, yeah, tomorrow is a get-your-popcorn-ready type of night in the NHL. We have one game seven out of four second-round series. I thought we'd see at least two, um, but we'll enjoy this one. At least we should. This, uh, Like I was saying, this is high-caliber hockey here. Yeah, and, and these two teams, actually, they're going to get extra rest. The Game 7 is not scheduled till Thursday night, 8 o'clock, so uh, there'll be no excuses for uh, a little bit of, uh, of fatigue, lack of energy. Both teams should be ready to go in Game 7. You actually broke some news there to me. I just assumed it was tomorrow night, no, but it's it, Thursday it, night. No, apparently, apparently there <laughs> so must there be a scheduling issue with uh, Bridge. Bridgestone Arena there in uh, Nashville. They do have a lot of shows there, so that's probably the reason <laughs> for the for the delay. Hey, a little bit of uh, coaching news today in the Eastern Conference uh, uh, for folks. Uh, you know, a lot of folks in in, in this region. Uh, some of them f- will follow the Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, there's been a lot of changes in the front office down there. And today, they hired a guy who was one of their heroes 
in their uh, Stanley Cup run, their one Stanley Cup, Rod Brandemore, head coach. Yeah, he was bumped up from assistant coach after yep. Bill Peters was was fired and then moved up to, to Calgary, as it turns out. So Bill's not out of a job for long. And this Carolina roster is, is interesting that Rod Brindamore takes over here. It felt like for the last two or three seasons that they're a team on the rise, but they still haven't made the playoffs since 2009 when the Penguins beat them in the East Final. And it's a fan base that can be fervent when its team is, is worthwhile to watch. And I ask anybody in any traditional fan base, uh, or any traditional uh, follower of, a, of one of these old-time teams, or you know, even like the Penguins or the Flyers, the expansion six teams that have been around for a half century. If your team didn't make the playoffs for a decade, how many fans would show up to those games? Now, it would be probably more than <laughs> the number that showed up to Hurricanes games in recent years. But um, I, th- I think all the talk about, well, does Carolina deserve a franchise? But let's let them get a, a higher-quality brand of hockey on the ice before we – making decisions there. They have new ownership, and, well, they're giving it a shot with – I kind of thought they would think outside the box here because the new owner, Tom Dundon, is a, a venture capitalist, kind of an outside-the-box thinker, but instead he promotes in-house. So, for me, that's just showing confidence that this roster is talented, and it was just perhaps a clash between Bill Peters, the former coach, and some of the young talent there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to take much to get the Hurricanes to where they need to be. Um it, it could just be a slight tweak or a coaching change, a little bit of a systematic adjustment, and I like them to be right in the mix in the Metro Division next year. Well, it's definitely a case where uh, I think they still have a little bit of credibility because they did win a cup, but uh, uh, too many. It's been se- a while. Yeah. It's been a while, and too many seasons out of the playoffs, too much uh, underperformance, and that patience will wear thin quite quickly. And it should, right? Ten years without making the playoffs in a league where more than half the teams make the postseason, you should at least be able to stumble into it yep. once in a while. And, and like I said, I've liked this roster, so I don't know what was wrong this past year. They had the puck a lot. They had a ton of shots. But um, you know, when it comes to goals scored, goals scoring again, at the moment of truth, they weren't good enough for the second straight year, uh, despite the other numbers looking good for them. Well, Matt, uh, we appreciate you spending time with us as always and uh, uh, let folks know how to follow you as far as uh, catching some of your coverage uh, of hockey and Pittsburgh hockey in general. Well, we're going to transition into a post-mortem slash look-ahead stage on Pittsburgh (laughs) hockey now, but that's where you can find all my hockey writing, at least in long form, pittsburghhockeynow.com, and I'm working on a story on Matt Murray, an uneven season, and I thought game six for him and that was a, a nice microcosm. Well, not nice for him or the Penguins, but uh, an appropriate microcosm of the season that went up and down. So that's uh, that's my focus for this evening. And then we'll move on and we'll talk about some of the things like we discussed with pending free agents and uh, possible trade combinations and, and things like that. You know Jim Rutherford in his time as Penguins GM, he has never really sat down and, and just uh, – down in his hand. He no. is a, a man of action, so I expect something to happen this offseason. Plus, you, you, the knowing the uh, fans in Pittsburgh, they do not expect things to just to stay the same. They want a little bit of uh, progress as well. Matt, thanks a lot as always. Yep, you got it. A little bit of disappointment, but also appreciation for the, the team's done the last two years. I don't want it to sound like it's all doom and gloom up here. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Matt, Matt Geick of Pittsburgh Hockey Now and uh, talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we have a couple of days 
of rest in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the deciding the game in the West will be on Thursday night at 8 o'clock at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Nashville Predators hosting the Winnipeg Jets. The winner will take on the Las Vegas Golden Knights for the Western Conference title in the National Hockey League. Of course, it's going to be Washington and Tampa Bay going for the Eastern title in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Time for another break. We come back. We're going to catch up. So we have an update on that Marshall East Tennessee uh, baseball game. Also, a little bit of news from the Marshall softball front coming up next here on The Drive on ESPN 94.1 AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good afternoon, Bill Cornwell. And for Paul Swan here on The Drive, about 20 minutes before top of the hour, 6 o'clock. On the 8th day of May 2018, feels like a summer day out there, beautiful day. Of course, reminder, it is election day. Primary election day in both West Virginia and Ohio. And if you're going to take part in the voting, you have less than two hours to do it. Polls will be closing in Ohio and in West Virginia uh, this evening at 7.30. And, of course, uh, for you Kentuckians, you got two weeks to wait. And uh, they'll have the primary in Kentucky on the 22nd of this month. And that means you'll have two more weeks of driving by those Tons of signs. If you go over the Ashland area, you know what I'm talking about. There are political signs everywhere, tons of them. And um, a lot of folks running for various offices in Boyd County. And um, they have got the signage out there. They have, the sign companies are doing well in Boyd County and in northeast Kentucky this year. Hey, the, the check on the baseball game up in Charleston, Marshall. Uh, doing battle this afternoon with the East Tennessee State Buccaneers. Final game of the season for the Herd in Charleston. And after one inning, uh, unfortunately, bad news for the Herd. They are down to East Tennessee State by a score of one nothing. Reminder, we have one more broadcast this year of Herd Baseball. Marshall will be playing the West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown uh, next Tuesday night, we'll have that broadcast here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And um, well, that uh, will be taken care of by our good friend Dave Wilson. Of course, Dave's part of the uh, Thundering Herd IMG Sports Network, especially during football season. Dave is based in the Morgantown area, and he will be bringing us all the coverage. Herd baseball next week against West Virginia up in Morgantown. Of course, the Herd and the Mountaineers played a dandy extra inning game down in Charleston a couple weeks ago, won by one run by the Mountaineers. Well, some good news this afternoon for the Marshall softball team. The Conference USA uh, folks handed out their honors, individual team honors, and uh, player of the year and such as that. Of course, the Conference USA softball tournament beginning tomorrow midday in Charlotte. Marshall opens that uh, conference tournament against the uh, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the herd number five seed. Hilltoppers, the number eight seed. As far as uh, earlier games this year, Hilltoppers and the herd played in one series, and Western actually beat Marshall 
two out of three, but it's the herd who is the higher seeded team in the tournament. But you gotta win to stay alive tomorrow because these are all single elimination games tomorrow. If you make it to Thursday, those are double elimination games. But as far as individual honors, Marshall softball featured four players named All Conference USA selections, and freshman Allie Harrell was named the Conference USA. Freshman of the Year, Harrell also garnered first team and all-freshman team honors. Senior Taylor McCord, herd catcher, named first team all-conference for the third straight season. Seniors Alicia DeRazio, of course, a terror on the base paths. Also, Jordan Cauliflower, both named second team all-conference. It was the third all-conference honor for DeRazio and the first for Cauliflower. Now, Allie Harrell has had an outstanding freshman year. 10 home runs, 40 RBIs, a 685 slugging percentage, a 473 on base percentage, walked 23 times, and her 10 home runs ties a program record for freshmen. And she set a team mark uh, drawing a walk in eight straight games this season as well. She is the second Conference USA Freshman of the Year for the Herd, as Alicia DeRazio was Freshman of the Year in 2015. So again, you got uh, two first-team all-conference players, two second-team all-conference players for Marshall. The uh, player of the year for Conference USA uh, softball was Morgan Tercoli of Louisiana Tech. Pitcher of the year, Presley Galloway of Louisiana Tech. The newcomer of the year was North Texas' Katie Clark, as we mentioned. Marshall's Allie Harrell was the freshman of the year. And the coach of the year in Conference USA was uh, Florida Atlantic's Joan Joyce. But the herd does uh, come away with some good honors in Conference USA softball. And again, tomorrow they must uh, do battle with Western Kentucky, and um, they got to win. You lose, you're done. And uh, if Marshall does win, they will play again at 5 o'clock against the Lady Texters of Louisiana Tech. And uh, the winner of that game will advance to the double elimination round coming up on Thursday down at the. Uh, Charlotte at the university down there at Charlotte. They've got nice facilities down there, and no doubt uh, they will uh, be uh, good facilities. They, they've hosted softball championships, Conference USA softball championships before. They've hosted soccer championships before. Good facilities and just a great place down there at Charlotte, and uh, no doubt be a, a good place. And of course, could be some Marshall fans down there. You got, you got a lot of Hurt alumni down there, and it's not a, a difficult drive if you're a Hurt fan and wanted to go down and catch the tournament. So good luck to, uh, to Jen Steele and the Marshall team. Uh, we really didn't have a chance to talk much about it, but uh, I might be uh, kind of uh, giving you some preliminary word, but uh, uh, they've had uh, conference meetings in Conference USA, and of course, in the spring meetings, they decide where championships are going to be held in uh, the upcoming school year. And there's some good news on the Marshall front. Of course, a couple of years ago, Marshall hosted the soccer championships uh, at the new uh, complex down on uh, Fifth Avenue at 26th Street. Well, this year, Marshall is slated to host the volleyball championships in the Henderson Center. Of course, uh, improvements to the Henderson Center, including that new million-dollar uh, video board, well, it'll be in good use because come November, early November, uh, Marshall and uh, 
Conference USA will be hosting of the Conference USA Volleyball Championships at the Henderson Center. Of course, we talked to volleyball coach Mitch Jacobs yesterday, and this is going to give his team and his uh, folks uh, something to shoot for because not only will they be hosting the championship, the conference tournament, but being on the home court, they would love to um, – Maybe spring an upset, spring a surprise, because with all the changes that we discussed yesterday in this roster, 10 newcomers coming in, big changes, kind of a refocus for the program. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks in the in the league just don't know really what to make with the herd. Maybe you're maybe discounting them, but uh, uh, you could tell that uh, Mitch Jacobs was very confident, quite confident, that uh, there's going to be some improvement this year. And you'd hope to see that improvement kind of manifest itself with a strong performance and maybe make a run in the Conference USA Volleyball Championships, which again will be held at the Henderson Center a little later this year. This is the second time that Marshall has hosted the Conference USA Volleyball Championships. That came about 10 years ago. Heard was in the final four of that one, but uh, did not win the championship, but uh, that's exciting news as a Conference USA championship will be decided at the Henderson Center women's volleyball come this fall. Let's make one more check, see if we have an update on on Marshall Baseball again, uh, the herd in East Tennessee State in the second inning. East Tennessee uh, was up after the first inning, one nothing, and uh, that's where the score remains. Let's see if Marshall could make a comeback. Final game in Charleston this year for the Thundering Herd. They do have another home series in the league coming up, but it will be played down at Beckley at Epling Field in a couple of weeks. Time for our final break. When we come back, we'll kind of set you up for baseball and some exciting news about baseball on the international front was announced today. You're listening to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Well, Paul usually has the wheel, but I have the wheel tonight. Bill Cornwell sitting in for Paul Swan. I believe tomorrow we will be preempted by uh, Pirate Baseball. But uh, Paul will be back uh, a couple of days, but uh, I'm kind of got the wheel tonight on the drive, and we look forward to uh, busy sports time, including baseball tonight here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930, because the Pittsburgh Pirates, and certainly we have all enjoyed uh, the Pirates' start this season uh, as they've been battling for first place in the National League Central. Well, they're back at it tonight uh, as they take on the White Sox in Chicago, a little interleague play. Uh, first off, an update on that Marshall East Tennessee uh, soft, uh, baseball game down at Appalachian Power Park. It is still one nothing in the top, the third. East Tennessee leading the herd. We'll see if Marshall could make a comeback in that last game of the year for the herd in Charleston. Uh, they'll be playing other other home games, including down at uh, Epling Field in um, Beckley. But uh, this is the last one at Appalachian Power Park for herd fans down in the Charleston area. Um, Let's look at, uh, again, the baseball schedule for tonight. First off, already have one game in the books as the Minnesota Twins beat the St. Louis Cardinals this afternoon by a score of 7-1. to one. Other games tonight, as we mentioned, uh, Pittsburgh will be taking on the Chicago White Sox at 8-10. We'll have it on ESPN 94.1 
at a.m. 9.30 for the uh, Pirates. Yvonne Nova will be on the mound, and uh, Louis uh, Gelata will be uh, pitching for the White Sox. Uh, Reds home tonight, uh, hosting the Mets at 7.10. Luis Castillo pitching for Cincinnati, and the New York Mets will send Jason Vargas to the mound. The Cleveland Indians, well, the Indians are on the road in Milwaukee against the Brewers at 7.40. And uh, the ace will be on the mound for Cleveland, and he's fun to watch because he is a consummate pitcher, multiple uh, Cy Young Award winner, Corey Kluber. He's pitching tonight for the Tribe against Milwaukee's Wade Miley. Other games coming up tonight. Of course, big showdown, Yankees and the Red Sox, the two teams that uh, love to hate each other. 7.05, uh, Drew Pomerantz pitching for Boston, Luis Severino, who's had great early season pitching for the uh, Bronx Bombers. Kansas City's to Baltimore at 7.05. It's San Francisco at Philadelphia, 7.05. Toronto hosting Seattle at Rogers Center this evening in 7.07. Uh, Tampa Bay's home against the Atlanta Braves. Detroit's at Texas. Miami is in the Windy City to take on the Cubbies at Wrigley Field. The Angels are at Colorado. Houston at Oakland. The Dodgers hosting Arizona, kind of a showdown there in uh, the National League West. And finally, Washington is out west on the coast taking on the San Diego Padres. Some interesting news out today regarding the Yankees and the Red Sox. Of course, one of the most fabled of uh, all rivalries in sports, let alone baseball. Well, the uh, announcement was made today that the Yankees and the Red Sox will face each other in two regular season games in London next year at London Stadium. Now, what is London Stadium? Well, London Stadium is what you know as the Olympic Stadium. It was the, the Olympic home in 2012 when London did such an outstanding job hosting the Olympic Games. Well, they have uh, renamed it London Stadium, and right now it is the main home or it is the home of the West Ham United Club in the Premier League, and um, it necessarily doesn't get great reviews as a soccer venue. It's going to be interesting to see what it looks like and how it's configured for baseball as the Yankees and the Red Sox play two games at London Stadium next year. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said, we're bringing you one of the best rivalries in baseball, bringing it to London. Boston will be the home team. June 29th and 30th, 2019, for Major League Baseball's first games in Europe. The stadium will have a capacity of 55,000 in a baseball configuration. Major League Baseball said it's also committed to playing in London in 2020, and the intention is to establish a long-term footprint in the city as American pro sports leagues continue to attempt to expand their reach to British fans. Of course, the NFL has played regular season games in London since 2007, holding 18 games at Wembley Stadium and three at Twickenham Stadium. And three more NFL games are scheduled for this year. And really looking forward to this because it's going to be played at the new stadium that is the home of Tottenham Hotspur. Brand spanking new stadium that Tottenham has not even played in it yet, but there will be NFL games in that facility uh, before the uh, Tottenham Hotspurs guys uh, get their games going. The NA NBA and NHL have also held regular season games. Now, Rob Manfred said the stadium infrastructure in London gives Major League Baseball every opportunity to put on a first-class event, 
and uh, they hope the series will be the beginning of a relationship with London that persists and a continuation of increased exposure for Major League Baseball in Europe. Major League Baseball has put renewed emphasis on international games since Manfred became commissioner three years ago. Of course, Cleveland, Minnesota played a two-game series last month down in San Juan, Puerto Rico. San Diego and the Dodgers played a three-game series in Monterey, Mexico last week. And uh, Monterey has held um, Major League Baseball games before. And Major League Baseball announced Tuesday as well, Oakland and Seattle will open next season at the Tokyo Dome, March 20th and 21st. And that's nothing new as there have been those Major League Baseball games in Tokyo at times. So very interesting that Major League Baseball is going to London next year. And it's not just any teams. They're taking two of the classic teams the Yankees and the Red Sox, to play two games. Tell you what, uh, college basketball recruiting is really ramping up right now. Um, all the big-time uh, teams, the Blue Bloods, you might say, uh, they are working on 2019, the 2019 class coming into focus. Trends already developing in terms of where prospects are leaning and the targets of various schools. And obviously, when you talk about the Blue Bloods, you're talking about Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, and your national champion, Villanova Wildcats. And Kentucky, uh, they're actually looking at some guys that may reclassify and could end up in Lexington this fall. Now, Kentucky has two commitments in 2019 so far, five-star players, Ashton Hagens and D.J. Jeffries. Hagens has been rumored to be reclassifying into this year's class and could do so this summer. Top guard target Tyrese Maxey, also a candidate to classify, reclassify, and Kentucky's the favorite for the five-star combo guard. Deciding this week, will he come to Lexington? Well, five-star point guard Jalen Leckie, who was offered with the Cats last week, has also been associated with reclassification options. Of the surefire 2019 prospects, James Wiseman, number one player in 2019, Jeffrey's teammate, clear-cut, top target. Other players uh, looking uh, possibly at Kentucky, five-star forward Keon Brooks. So the Cats are right in there, as always, with the big names. And we're, but we're looking at 2019, maybe this fall. That's got to do it for The Drive on this Tuesday. Bill Cornwell, thanks a lot. Gabriel Sellers, as always, handling the engineering uh, behind the glass. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy the Pirate Baseball tonight. They get going at 8-10. Pirates in action against the White Sox. So long. station.